On today's episode of The Nerd by Word, we are getting marvelous with special guest Maria Akhtar as we talk about the issue limited series that just wrapped up Ms. Marvel on Disney+. Plus. Welcome into another all-exclusive episode of the Nerd Byword. On today's episode, we have a fantastic discussion with TikTok creator Maria Akhtar, um, who herself is uh, a Muslim Pakistani woman and offers really, really great perspective in our Byword Big Talk on what it means to feel represented um, in in media like this and, and positive um, representation. But first, it is time for... Dave, I just had to throw my head back in laughter when I saw this. Yeah, it's like the never-ending story at this part. So, but not, but um, not, but not a good one. <laughs> yeah, I wish to be. I, I like the never-ending story. I do, actually, I do too. But, I do too. <laughs> uh, yeah, and not just a movie like the book that it's based on. I'm a big fan. So, uh, but yeah, but but this never-ending story is just like frustrating. Um, I think you know over the last couple of years of. Uh, podcasting here. I don't think I've really made a secret out of the fact that, uh, you know, the Zack Snyder uh, vision of DC superheroes is not really for me. Uh, and that's perfectly fine. You know, different strokes for different folks. There's plenty of people who liked it. And that too is fine. However, um, it's also pretty clear that there has been a very toxic movement uh, that has developed around uh, this director's vision for these heroes. Uh, first with the uh, hashtag release the Snyder cut and now currently with the hashtag restore the Snyderverse. Um, and there's a lot of toxicity coming uh, from that camp uh, with, you know, Warner execs being bullied on social media and all sorts of stuff like that. Um, what makes it fascinating though, is that now Rolling Stone actually uh, recently uh, released a exclusive uh, in-depth look at the rise of the Snyder Cut online movement. Uh, and it turns out that the big headline is that fake accounts fueled the Snyder Cut online army. Uh, somewhere up to 13% of the uh, people posting uh, on social media about the Snyder Cut uh, were bots. Um and in fact, the report goes further uh, when um, Snyder won some uh, awards, fan favorite awards that were fan voted on at the uh, last Oscars, that those wins were also likely fueled by bots. Um, you know, obviously there are real people involved here uh, and people who feel passionate about these movies and uh, act like total ding-dongs online. Um, as the report points out, and I quote, Fans went after anyone or anything deemed a danger to the so-called Snyderverse, including directors like Adam Wingard, whose Godzilla vs. Kong launched on HBO Max 13 days after the Snyder cut and stole some of its thunder. And movies like Wonder Woman 1984, uh, basically the onslaught included cyber harassment so severe Warner Brothers Security Division got involved. So this is a pretty you know toxic movement, but it's interesting that part of it was fueled by you know bots. 
What I find even more interesting, though, in this article is that there is some circumstantial evidence that the beginnings of this movement may actually have been generated by a marketing firm uh, with a website that is sort of um, credited with starting the whole Snyder Cut movement actually being at one point registered to a now defunct marketing firm uh, so there is some speculation you know was was uh you know who who hired this marketing firm that you know jumpstart this movement um was snyder personally involved did he actually hire somebody to get this started um you know it's it's interesting that the, the origins of the movement uh may be manufactured bots are involved so some of the victories of the movement are manufactured and of course, I would be remiss if I didn't mention that the article is also very clear that behind the scenes, every single cut that Snyder turned in at slightly over two hours, two hours, 30 minutes, and so on and so forth, trying to get uh, his movie finished and released to theaters, uh, is repeatedly described as unwatchable and joyless. So um, would I say the final Snyder cut that we got, this four-hour behemoth, was unwatchable? No. I think it's watchable for sure. Was it joyless? Yeah, pretty much. So uh, maybe the execs had a point there. Um, But the takeaway from this big investigation is uh, that this uh, fandom movement uh, is pretty, uh, you know, partially manufactured by a marketing firm, potentially used bots to get their big victories and continues to be a toxic little stain on the social media community. So, Chris, your thoughts? Uh, okay. <clears throat> so, um, it's, it's really fascinating because I'm, as, as someone who is getting more and more heavily involved in DC Comics themselves and, and is a fan of, of DC content, like, this is incredibly frustrating because, like, my innate nature as a Marvel fan, first and foremost is try is trying to give them the benefit of the doubt and and not do a side-by-side comparison with the mcu but you know we're recording this um a couple of weeks ahead of time so as of the time of this recording we just saw the the uh, the warner brothers dceu presentation in hall h yesterday and then we saw the marvel studios and it's just it's just perplexing and I don't want like a side-by-side exact replica of the MCU in the DC film universe, but it is, it's baffling to me how self-inflicted these wounds are for Warner brothers, for the DCEU in that part of the reason that that connected film universe or any of those film franchises cannot progress is because they are beholden to a movement and to a creative whatever that is, is determined to be long gone. And, and they can't make that executive decision and say, you know what, Zack Snyder, thanks for playing game over. It's time to move forward with these new projects. 
when your entire presentation is built around just two films, one of which has been in the works for 10 to 15 years in Black Adam, like where it's finally going to be released this year. And while I'm excited about it, it's just like, okay, that's great. Shazam, I love the first movie. Super excited about the second one. More on that in a, in a, re, in, in a, in a soon-to-come episode. But, I mean... What, what are we even doing here? We can't progress forward while we're constantly looking backward on a creator that you admitted you no longer have any interest in working with in the future. And now we get the news that Zack Snyder is going to show up in the Teen Titans Go, which maybe it's just like a cute little self-referential, you know, uh, self-deprecating joke or whatever. But I mean, like, at some point we have to move on. The Snyder Cut, it's a four-hour piece of media that exists. And I know that social media is the place where nuance goes to die. So you will find these rampant defenders that say it's an absolute masterpiece. And then there are elements of it that I enjoyed. But for the large part, it's just like the same thing through different Instagram filters. Like, I get it. I didn't need four hours of it. But no matter how you feel about Zack Snyder's Justice League, the Snyder Cut, all of this, it's time to move on. The original thoughts behind the beginnings of the Justice League happened over five years ago. We're done. It's time to move on. It's 2022. We have to pick up the pieces and move on. And the most successful DC film franchise, we had to go to a completely different universe in order to get that to happen in the Batman, we had to go Earth 2 or whatever they want to call it just to escape the clutches of Snyderdom. It's like nobody is in the right here. I am not caping up for Warner Brothers. I'm not caping up for Snyder and company. Everybody get your shit together and let's move on. You know, it's funny, too, because uh, you mentioned the um, Shazam trailer which uh, just recently was released as we're recording this. And it was a very cool little trailer. I mean, questionable music choice, perhaps. But otherwise, from what we've seen, uh, it looks really good. And then you go on social media and the, 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 the Snyder bots swarm, you know, the comments on, on this trailer and basically say, hey, look, they used a shot uh, from the Snyder cut of, you know, Ben Affleck's Batman. And I'm like, I don't care. You know, like that, that's, that's your takeaway. We have a two minute trailer for a, a movie that is a, a tonally completely different ball game from, you know, what Zack Snyder created in his cut, love it or hate it. Um, and your only takeaways, oh, look, there's a shot of Ben Affleck as Batman, you know, S- Snyderverse returns or something like, no, it's just, it's just some old footage that they were using for the trailer. Um, it's, it's a very, you know, you were exactly right. I think, you know, sitting here listening to you, uh, the best thing that anybody has ever said about this whole Snyder Cut situation and the Snyderverse and all that stuff is just let's move on. You know, let's let's let, you know, DC movies flourish. Let's hope that Black Adam is good, that the new Shazam is good, that they get their act together and start, you know, making some good movies. Uh, Warner, I'll let you know right now. I'm available to write some movies for you if you'd <laughs> like. Uh, I have a great Martian Manhunter pitch. I got a great pitch on the question. You know, you just let me know and we'll make some movies together. I have some magic for you here. Um, but yeah, it's just time to move forward. DC is 
and you and I have have talked about this, you know, the entire time that we've done this podcast. DC is my favorite. You know, I love a lot of stuff that Marvel does, but the DC heroes is where, you know, where I feel at home. And I am, you know, frustrated that, you know, the, the all we really get is continuously good Batman movies and everything else just kind of falls to the wayside, you know? And I was thrilled with the Batman. It was a great movie. But the DC universe is so rich and has so many different things going on. You know, I would love to see a truly great Superman movie once, sure. But I'd also like to see a Black Canary movie or a Birds of Prey movie that's actually about the Birds of Prey and not Harley Quinn. You know, I'd love to see The Question in Action or Martian Manhunter. There are so many good uh, properties that DC has, and they, you know, would lend themselves to great adaptations. And I feel you're exactly right. We're, you know, cut, cut, we're caught in this quagmire of, you know, every time that DC and Warner tries to make a move, it's like, you know, the the, the Snyder, you know, bots just swarm the situation, and 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 are extremely negative because they're, you know, their Lord and Savior Zack Snyder's not involved, and that's not. That's just not a way to be, man. It's just let's let's move on, okay? I mean, if they have no plans to work with Snyder right now for the for the time being, then for crying out loud, let's focus on getting some good DC properties into theaters. You know, I'm I'm looking forward to Blue Beetle, my man. Oh my Bat god, Girl. Yeah. You know that 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 oh, is yeah. some stuff that I'm psyched about, and I don't need Zack Snyder for that. You know, the Blue Beetle series, the first one with uh, Jaime Reyes, was one of my favorite things ever. Um, and and I'm a huge, you know barbara gordon fan and i'm just absolutely excited to see where this stuff goes so let's move forward guys and that was almost my nerd news story for this week that um the blue beetle just wrapped up filming and i can't be more excited about that um and i mean look at this and i know we're getting ahead of ourselves but the look at the mess you had san diego comic-con the biggest like nerd mecca event returning for the first time in two years and your upcoming next upcoming release is supposed to be the flash but we heard absolute crickets about this film there was no presentation because you've attached yourself to ezra miller and this this kind of fan service so so in in a way while trying to progress w uh, progress wb is also kind of giving a little like cadence and a little time to the Snyder of it all and attaching this entire film around a Snyder recruit. And how has that turned out for you? You have an offer as, as would all would seem an absolute maniac as this in the starring role, whose personal problems are overshadowing everything surrounding the film to the point where like, are they even going to release it? And I think the biggest <clears throat> the biggest discovery for me, you mentioned that like the Batman of it all is, yeah, I'm a Batman fan. I grew up on Batman the Animated Series. That's fun. But then, you know, in diving into DC Comics, I've discovered an entire new world that I was never subjected to because the only character they want to trot out time after time after time after time is Batman. And so, like, it's been such a pleasant surprise reading actual DC comics and discovering all these wonderful worlds and characters and settings that was never exposed to me. And and the fact that they are still just, like, can't seem to get it right. Um, all the while, like, HBO Max original content that has nothing to do with this connected universe is just fantastic. Harley Quinn is one of my favorite shows in the last several years. And I know that we haven't officially made that a nerd combination, but like, good God, 
we nerd commend it now. Like Harley Quinn is so good and does not get near enough love because, because we can't seem to move on from this. So after some consideration, I think uh, let's let's move on from this. Um, so so we need to move on. <laughs> let's get some. Yeah, we talked about the Snyder Cut in our very first episode. It's like the recurring nightmare, uh, not with a K. Um, so let's go ahead and move on. Chris, do you have some positive news for us this week? Yeah, dude, this is right up your alley. Surprised it wasn't your news story, but with that whopper, um, we're getting more gargoyles content. And so with the the advent of Disney Plus. Uh, one of my all-time favorite shows, one of the formative shows of my childhood, um, and I know it's yours. We've talked about it extensively on the show before, but Gargoyles is coming back. Not in the animated medium yet, but Dynamite Comics, a really under-the-radar, underappreciated comic book publisher, is bringing back Gargoyles as uh, a comic book series. And this is not the first time that Gargoyles has been made a comic. You know, Marvel did it back in the day while it was on... Um, while the show was running, but um, details are very sparse on this. But Dynamite did reveal that the show's creator, Greg Weissman, is going to help run the title, um, and it is picking up where the animated series left off. Now, Weissman um, did an 18-issue comic run for Slave Labor Comics in 2006, and as I previously mentioned, Marvel had an 11-issue run back in the day while the show was going. Um, but Weissman says that that is non-canonical. So details are very scarce, but Gargoyles has seen like a second life here with, with you know, the Disney Plus release and the show being on there. Um, you even had the greatest of all voice actors of all time, Keith David, the voice behind Goliath, said he would absolutely love to return to the role. So hopefully this is the first sign of things to come with the Gargoyles franchise, Dave. Yeah, so uh, you know we can we can talk extensively about this one if you want, but uh, the, the the short of it is that uh, Gargoyles is probably one of the greatest series ever made, um, as far as you know a children's program with depth, with complex characters. Uh, heck, you know a lot of stuff that I love about Shakespeare's plays. You know, I was first introduced to via you know Gargoyles because they extensively reference you know Shakespeare plays, which I think is one of the coolest things that you can possibly do in. Um, in a children's cartoon and actually make it work for kids. Um, so the first two seasons were like uh, overseen by Greg Weissman. The third season, I think, which is usually referred to as Goliath Chronicles was not. So usually 90% of the time when Greg Weissman is involved in trying to get a new project off the ground, he always wants to ignore that season. In fact, uh, Slave Labor Graphics, SLG, that series, which I have sitting in trade on my shelf, um, there's two trades called Clan Building, uh, was written actually by Weissman himself and ignored uh, the Goliath Chronicles and picked up where his original first two seasons um, left off. So my guess is if there's a contractual thing with like, you know, if you want me back, then we need to ignore this. I would not be surprised if Dynamite ignores that as well. I think it's regrettable if the slave labor graphics thing is uh, considered non-canonical because Weissman wrote it himself um, and it is really solid um, and, and a lot of fun. A dynamite it does you really really good work with licensed properties. I'm particularly fond of all the work they've done with Red Sonia, um, a series that I never thought I would you know be interested in. And dynamite really made it work. Uh, they did some very cool stuff with with Zorro actually, uh, and we've talked about that before. 
So, uh, you know, I'm very, very excited to see what they do with this. And I will definitely uh, pick this up. Dynamite, give me a online subscription service, please, like uh, DC Universe Infinite, because uh, I'm not really reading much <laughs> floppies anymore. And I'd, I'd really like to read this. So, like, you know, can we do something about that? Like, you know, soon. Comixology, dude. Yeah. They have some, they have some stuff on there. So, yeah, some stuff. Uh, that's the problem. Always comicsology is like wetting, wetting your appetite and then making you pay it, more. It's very so. smart. It's very smart. It's very smart. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I'm totally hyped for this, man. Uh, I love gargles. All right, that wraps up nerd news for this week. When we come back from this, our first break, Maria Akhtar comes and lends her expertise on Ms. Marvel, our beloved Kamala Khan. <laughs> All right, welcome back to this week's Meat and Potatoes segment, better known as our byword. And we are so fortunate to be, um, to have a special guest with us. Maria, thank you so much uh, for joining us this week. You can find her on TikTok. Uh, at call me by this name maria um has been a a wealth of of knowledge on the context surrounding south asian descent and and muslim identity around the miss marvel show to this character that we have just fallen head over heels in love with so maria thank you so much for coming on the byword today oh no thank you so much for having me i really appreciate everyone listening it means a lot Okay, so um, we always like to start with our guests' nerd origin story. Um, what were the first pieces of like nerd or pop culture that you fell in love with and you woke up and realized, I'm, I'm kind of nerdy? Okay, so nerd Marvel or nerd like in life? Uh, whatever, go, go okay, with whatever Okay, because Marvel's a whole story in itself. But like, I just, oh, I grew up loving Sailor Moon and X-Men and Batman, like since I was like five years old. So um, I, I grew, like I moved from Pakistan when I was like two years old my dad actually didn't teach me English because he was just like oh you're gonna learn that in life so I learned English through X-Men and Batman movie um tv shows oh wow and um I've never read com well I've read the DC comics but basically just like the nerd origin started from there I got into fandoms through Harry Potter and Lord of the Rings afterwards and superheroes were more like my teenage years I would say and then my adult years has been more like Game of Thrones and Marvel. But I just have always loved escaping through my imagination. Like, I've just had this tendency to always daydream, much like Kamala Khan. So I have just always loved other universes and just world building and multiverses and just like getting wrapped in that is like what I've always wanted. So it, that is what kind of started all of it. And then Marvel built a world in front of our eyes. I'm not mm -hmm. sure if you grew up with Marvel the MCU yeah. um you know since Iron Man 1 I just saw all of the movies from back to back to back so like seeing the world build and expand and like to what it is now that now we have like a Jersey Spider-Man version it's just been so cool to like be part of it so um I guess that's my origin story but yeah <laughs> but it mostly it's just been my whole life <laughs> you're right so you teased this a little bit but are there any other fandoms that you're like you're really into well, I recently just started watching Star Wars. So this is actually a fun thing about my TikTok. I, so I'm a TV. Oh, I should have mentioned, I love television. I wanted to be like a screenwriter, but I went into 
medicine because that's so similar. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> I I wanted to, I love te- television. Like I grew up watching TV and like sitcoms. So like my brain has always loved TV. And um, I started out with like making TV content on TikTok, but every like you know loving Marvel and loving the Marvel series, I met a lot of Star Wars fans. So it just I've actually never watched Star Wars till this year. And wow. I decided to watch all of the Star Wars movies and now the shows literally in the past like six months, I think. Oh my and goodness. so it's like the new fandom that I love. Like I watched it. And I was like, no, it's going to be all right. And I fell in love with it. So Star Wars is a new fandom. But Harry Potter, Game of Thrones, Lord of the Rings, DC, Marvel, Sailor Moon. Um, basically, you name it, I'm probably interested in it. Okay, so that segues perfectly into the next question because okay. you made your intentions clear with Anakin Skywalker's name in your bio on TikTok. So <laughs> this is this is much more context. Okay, so coming out of have you have you watched all of Kenobi? I have. I okay, have. so you have a very different perspective because oh, yeah. for longtime oh, yeah. fans, we see Hayden Christensen like triumphant return, a shot at redemption for whatever happened with those prequels and the scripts yeah. writing. So what's your perspective on okay. all of this with Kenobi? I'm so happy you asked because I got deep into it. So whenever I was growing up in high school, that's when the prequels came out. And I was a teenager when Hayden Christensen. So I was, I still was really aware of who he was, yeah. <laughs> even though I wasn't into Star Wars. And I mean, because I loved all the other fandoms, I obviously associated with a lot of Star Wars fans. So I remember my friends always being like, you have to like Star Wars. So I was like, wait, who's that? Who's Anakin Skywalker? <laughs> so I've always had a crush on Hayden Christensen. And this is another reason why like, I kind of lean into the Anakin Skywalker really hard. is just because of the crush on Hayden Christensen. It's more of like a running joke than a apologist. It's more of like a, oh, Anakin's really hot. He's a terrible <laughs> person, though. <laughs> right. But, you know, um, so I don't want that to be twisted. But yeah, no, I'm really happy that... Um, because I heard of, another thing about like loving all these fandoms is like the culture of fandoms is very interesting, especially with social media nowadays, because I think the internet culture has made fandom culture discourse very prevalent. So like you're really aware of things. So I heard about all the bullying and all the um, commentary about the sequels actually first. And then I heard about the prequels because I was watching it. So like it's been very interesting to hear from this perspective because watching the prequels now, I understand that they're different, but I don't think they're bad. I just thought that like they're different. And even the sequels, I actually really liked them, but I know that there was a lot of bullying associated with the sequels. So I've I have and now I've been noticing with the MCU. So it's really interesting to see how um, I'm really happy that Hayden came back and was able to get a second chance, but I do think the culture of bullying and hating, it's more to do with the fandom and like the expectations that you get from years of like building things up and then getting it and not being happy rather than the actual quality of the work. If that makes sense. I, I would be remiss as, as a starch advocate for them. If I didn't ask you, have you done the animated series yet? The Clone Wars? The Clone Wars and yeah. my favorite, my favorite Rebels. I love Rebels. Oh, I haven't seen Rebels yet because I think I have to watch Clone Wars first, right? Right. Yeah. So right. I have to, I, Clone Wars is a lot. So I just started Clone Wars. I think I'm on the second season. So it picks up, it, pick, it starts really, really slow. And then, um, I personally am the president, CEO, and founder of the Ahsoka Tano fan club. Oh, I love her. Uh, I love she's everything her. to me. I'm so uh, excited about the show. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's going to mean a lot more when you get to Rebels because you get yeah. grown up. You get uh-huh. grown up Ahsoka, Ooh, and she's okay. kind of like serving in the mentor role. 
gosh, and I don't want to spoil anything for you when you get to yeah. Rebels, but no, Rebels I'm... is just premium content. Okay, okay. I've heard really good things about it. It's just because there's been so much to watch lately. Yes. And I'm like catching up. So I was watching Clone Wars. In May, there was less to watch. So I was watching Clone Wars then. And then Obi-Wan started, then Miss Marvel started. And like since then, I've just been playing catch up. So once there's like some down, like right now, I guess I could watch Clone Wars again for sure. Okay, so um, now to transition to the, the the star of our show, the reason we're gathered here together, yes. Ms. Kamala Khan. <laughs> yes. Uh, what was your relationship with that character prior to this show? I'm so glad you asked. Uh, so I haven't read any of the Marvel comics, but I have heard of her before I was aware that they were going to make a series. And obviously it was very fascinating because I was like, it's the first Pakistani Muslim a teenager from Jersey superhero in the Marvel Universe. Um and I really, I know that her comic book, um, her history kind of started out uh, just a few years ago. So I feel like mm-hmm. if I were to read a Marvel comic book, it would be that series. And I was actually considering starting it, but it's a little overwhelming to start comic books yes. when you don't know where to begin with. Um, so I have researched almost everything I could about her and like looked up and read a lot of stories. Like I read how she told her mother, I read the origin of her name, all of these um, side uh storylines but basically I was very aware of her but haven't read the comics basically and whenever right. I got the chance to watch I got to see the episodes early like um, pre-release so once mm-hmm. that came to me I was like okay you know what I think I'm just gonna watch the show as a medium by itself and then I'll read the comics so right. I've always been a huge fan and I've always been interested um, my history with her is very much like I'm aware of her have a lot of plans to read the book uh, comics and just like get into the character more and more as I go yeah, I, I totally agree with like, I came late to comic books. Um, mm-hmm. I, I had, as as a fan of mutants, I, I call them flat scan parents. My parents were not nerdy at all. The uh-huh. extent of my parents nerddom was my dad took me in the 90s when they re-released Star Wars. He took me to Empire Strikes Back 20 minutes late. And oh, so, wow. okay. so like, it was all just a mess. I yeah, had no I... nerdy influence. And now I see you know, like even myself, like mentoring my own children of like, uh-huh. hey, this is some cool stuff you might want to check out. It's like, yeah, man, I wish I would have had this back in the day. But um, so I didn't get to start comics until like my 20s. And then um, so I say all that to say this, I highly recommend something like Marvel Unlimited. Yeah, um, not only for the sheer volume of tens or hundreds of thousands of comics at your disposal, but they also have these like these reading lists when you log into the app and it's really smartly done. Like right now, Ms. Marvel's hot as a hot character. The show's right. out. They're like, you want to start reading Ms. Marvel? Here are five different jumping on points. That oh, that's great. Cause it's so, definitely yeah. so overwhelming. Yeah. So, but yeah. the OCD completionist that I am as a Peter <laughs> Parker fan, I read yeah. every, all 800 plus issues of amazing Spider-Man. Like I, I'm just, I'm incorrigible like that. And no, so, I love it. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. If you're going to do it, you might as well go. Hard, yeah. Right. Like, <laughs> So I, I, I'm really bad for like when I start a series and I don't understand something, I was like, there's got to be a prior series. So I'll go yeah. back and read that and then mm-hmm. go back and read the previous one. And then it's just a never ending game. No, that's how I am too. Like I, once I start, cause like, for example, like I was not to bring up Game of Thrones and like divert, but like whenever I started the no, Game please of Thrones No, please do, please <laughs> do. Just don't talk about the last season. Yeah, I, no, my fingers, my fingers are crossed with House of the Dragon. Yeah, because it's coming up. I didn't realize how soon yeah, it's coming Yeah, in a couple up. weeks, yeah. Yeah, so um, when I started Game of Thrones, I wasn't aware that they were books. So like 
obviously I got the books right away, but I was Googling everything. Cause I'm like, I need to know more right now. There's like yes. so much backstory. So I'm yes. really excited for house of the dragon because this is the backstory I've been waiting for, for years. So uh, I completely get that. Yeah. High fantasy nerds are going to be eaten great because we've got house of the dragon coming up and then mm -hmm. um, the Lord of the Rings show on Amazon prime. I know right it, it's a busy summer. Like there's so much going on. There's been back to back great stuff. So and by the time this episode releases, I'll be back in school teaching. And so oh, like, yeah. I'll just be confined to after school hours. Yeah, um, it's okay. I have to go back to studying too. So like, yeah. I I'm like, this is my last week of like, hurrah. And then I'm like, back to study yes. mode. So I get it. Yes. So what is your reaction to the change in Kamala's power set? You kind of have an interesting perspective on that oh, simply because yeah. you didn't, you weren't necessarily deep in the comics lore, but I'm sure you heard the buzz around it. Yeah. So I do have a lot of thoughts and feelings about this, actually, because um, her original power comes with a really amazing storyline, which is the fact that her power allowed her to transform into anything. And a Muslim Pakistani brown girl decided to become a white blonde girl because of this power. And like, I think the power and that origin story, and I, I, this is just from reading about this. I think the story was more powerful than the power itself, because it shows that like her reject, her rejecting her own identity to be something that she's trying to assimilate to only for her to realize that she's enough on her own. is a very beautiful story of the immigrant child growing up in America, learning to accept themselves while living here. It was a classic story that you don't hear enough. And especially from a female's perspective. So like, I am very tied to that original story. I really much wanted, I really wanted to see that storyline as well. And I think a lot of people that were like, in very like set on her losing that story. It, that is why, because they identified so much with that story. And I've talked to a lot of female creators since then. And they're like, yeah, I really wish that story was still part of it. But at the same time, I really respect and enjoyed what they did do with her power set. So I find both stories very equally important. Um, and I was a little confused with her. I am a little confused with her I'm power Yeah, I'm still a little, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like I do think the Inhuman storyline and um, that story kind of helps her figure out what her, like how, how her power was work in the comics, whereas the show is still trying to figure it out. Like I think, I mean, we, we have an idea of what they are. We just don't know the origin yet, I would say maybe, because there's the bracelet and there's the family she might be immune now. Like, spoiler alert. Sorry if you guys haven't seen it yet. But... I mean, you're listening to a reaction about the yeah. show. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, oops, if you haven't heard that. Um, <laughs> so I think the confusion still remains, but I think the story is still powerful. So my thing was, as long as the story does not, as long as they don't erase how important her immigrant story is and the assimilation story, and I don't think they did that at all. I think they did very, they did very well. Like, they didn't just make it about the power, but they also did it by her clothing, by her own, like, um, personality it just kind of changed in the series so it's different um it's confusing but i'm okay with it basically i think i think they took an alternate path to it i think with the absolute debacle that was the inhumans abc yeah, show I've heard about they that. did <laughs> they did not want to touch that with a 39 and a half foot pole yeah um, let, but... let, let me tell you i've i asked what happened with the inhumans on tiktok i had never gotten so many three minute stitches about a question like three minutes of people just explaining so a lot has clearly happened with Inhumans so I get that they wanted to avoid that for sure um so being a, a person of South Asian descent particularly Pakistani yourself um you offer a truly unique perspective that came across my for you page and I was immediately like I've always been like as 
as a white guy, like I've always like thrived on seeing other perspectives and point of views that I could never ascertain on my own. And so how do you feel in terms of representation in this show? I feel very happy with it. Um, mostly because like, I think for many reasons, like, um, a, the fact that it exists the way it did has never actually happened before. Um, and I, and I want to emphasize that just not in the MCU, just the fact that it exists in the MCU is amazing and a huge step for the MCU. And I'm very, very proud that the MCU took this step, but just like as someone who loves television and who has like consumed media for the past like 15 years of her life, good Muslim representation does not exist like this. Good South Asian representation does not exist like this, particularly for a female. So the fact that it did and that it's, it's, just, it's been new waves. Like for one thing, it's been validating for me because I see my story on screen, but the connection other people have felt with it, how they've reached out and been like, I identify with this time when Nakia was talking about how she has a hard time, like identifying herself and she's in the middle. I can understand this or like some sort of with a partition story, people going into their past and like identifying with it. And then on top of that, people saying this is the first time I've heard the word Allahu Akbar said in a positive light it's just been really overwhelming with a lot of joy that like so many people it's one thing to see it yourself and then feel the type it help you like assimilate and kind of come to terms with your own feelings with it but then to hear other people change the perspective it's just been super overwhelming how amazing it's been yeah i have i have cousins who one of whom is of uh is biracial of Lebanese descent. And then the other is of Iraqi descent. And, you know, they were kind of born in and around like the nine 11 era. And so it was, it was incredibly difficult for them growing up, um, you know, in small town, like Midwest. And it was really troublesome. So I'm not, I'm not sure I haven't touched base with them if they've checked this out, but like, I I can imagine like how difficult it's been in media representation. Uh It's because, um, again, as someone who consumes media, like the, this was the whole point of good representation was that like, it was only bad representation for the longest time. So like, this is huge. This was like a big step. And I think that's why like, uh, my, my whole emphasis of making content was just like, this is bigger than us. Like, you know, this is bigger than the Marvel show. This is bigger than nerd culture. This is like a big thing coming, happening. And that's what kind of it compelled me to speak about it. Cause like, it's kind of getting out of my comfort zone with my normal content, but it felt too important not to talk about. Yeah, it's funny that you say that, you know, with my background in foreign language um, and being bilingual as Spanish and Spanish owing this enormous debt of gratitude to Arabic. And so seeing, you know, phrases like Allahu Akbar in a positive light I, is something that I've been screaming from rooftops, it feels like for decades. Oh, I'm like, like yeah. come on, like <laughs> you see these words like like in Spanish, like the, the subjunctive, for uh-huh. example, is ojalá, and it comes from like, oh, Allah, like, oh, come no on, guys. I didn't know that. That's so yeah, cool. yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I love hearing that because like, I I think you, I, I don't know if you saw my videos about explaining Kamala's name, but like mm-hmm. there's a deep connection with the South Asian, like Sanskrit and Hindi languages to um, Middle Eastern languages, like Arabic, but in between Persian and like, um, Actually, there's so many different languages in between. So to hear there's a Spanish origin, it's really cool. I just love hearing how like languages come together like this. It it is my it's probably like my nerdiest of nerddoms is language. I'm right there with like, you. <laughs> like my my Duolingo is despicable. Like, oh, no like I've taught so I've taught Spanish for the last eleven years. I'm transitioning into a new position this year, but for the past 11 years, I've taught Spanish. And so like, I have Duolingo accounts from my students, but then they're like, let me see your Duolingo. And you're like, oh yeah, talk, talk, whatever. So then like, I 
show them mine. And I have like 15 different languages just because I'm obsessed. Like I yeah. want to learn it all. And oh, so, right. That's so cool. Yeah, I know. I love that. So, yeah. Um, the mythology, particularly something that was, was interesting to me um, surrounding the jinn can often be utilized as a trope or a negative stereotype for stories involving Muslim characters. How did you feel that it was handled here? Uh, so I will say that, like, um, I did say very positive comments throughout the show, but I do have, there are certain, you know, the road to representation is progress, right? So they're going to right. be choices that you wish they did differently. I really wish they handled the djinn at angle differently. Um, because I, since the show's come out, I've been very aware of the djinn, um, trope more so in other right. stories um i'm not sure if you've heard of the show what we do in the shadows um yes the taika show. his the I, most love, recent... I love i love taika I love oh okay perfect well i'm a taika super fan i'm actually yeah, finishing perfect. up season three right now starting season four. Oh, okay okay well i won't say anything about okay i won't say anything i'm just not gonna say anything <laughs> <laughs> but there's okay but there's a gin let's put it that way and when the season four so i was catching up on season four and i saw the gin and i was like what <laughs> and i was like oh okay and then i was like thinking about how the witcher also had a gin angle and like it is yes. definitely a trope that i forgot existed but yes. the thing is that gin also exists in the islamic religion and islamic culture so it's very it's difficult to bring in the islamic character where her religion is a big part of her identity and her superhero dumb and then add the gin angle and then they do it in such a flimsy way like they add it and then they have the one character say, but it's not like that. And then they just erase it. But then they do have it here and there. And it was, I just no feel like it was... contextual building at all. Yeah, I feel like it was handled... I think the way they handled it, they didn't need to add it for one thing. And I almost feel like when they added it, they did it very carelessly when it comes to the actual religious context. And then when they, the way they went about it was very flimsy. So I'm a little frustrated, is the best way to say it. Right. Yeah. It was like a one-line type of thing. And yeah. they really didn't follow up on it. But then, and then they didn't know what to do with it. Like they just kept it around so linger. So, I I wish they would have just. I get that. I get that. Like they were trying to assimilate what she could be in the religion and the culture and in the universe. But at the same time, it's like I they were such. When it comes to representation, they made sure that all the creators, the writers, the producers were so knowledgeable. So I'm very surprised that right. um, this was still chosen to happen. Um, so Marvel Studios has somewhat hemmed and hawed uh, and kind of retracted in the past when it comes to intersectionality of films and programs. Yeah, uh, we're looking at you, Falcon and Winter Soldier. <laughs> <laughs> um, sorry, just call a spade a spade. Yeah. But I felt that the inclusion of the partition in this show was much more powerful and impactful. How yeah. did you feel about that? Oh, yeah. And th this is why I brought up the uh, background representation. It's because they um, it was done very, very well. It was done very well. And it's so I am also a Bollywood nerd. Um, I grew up watching Bollywood movies. Um, I come from a Pakistani family that loves dramas, Pakistani dramas. So I recognize all the actors and actresses in the, sh the that episode and in the show. And I know for a fact that they're, they use people because um, a lot of those actors are writers. So I know that they, and Bollywood and Pakistani dramas do partition stories so well because that's all they've been writing since like, the media was created so they made sure that they wrote it by the people that know how to write it and i think they did beautifully like they made sure that the authentic the authentic feeling of what it's like to hear about it was there um for me at least and i from what i've heard from the general like consensus that everyone could feel the 
how palpable the pain and like trauma was for that time. Okay, I'm going to I'm going to shoehorn a question in here because my biggest takeaway from this show is Zenobia Shroff um, or Modiba, please just adopt me. Please be my mom. Oh my gosh. Um, right. <laughs> I, I love her so much. She's, yeah. she is, as, as the kids say nowadays, she is mother. Um, <laughs> I'm and, so happy to hear you say that. Cause like, it's been so conflicted, um, what people think about her. It's, it's really interesting because I'm, I'm just now like, I've, I've been a fan peripherally of Kamala for so long. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing that was really special to me about this show and you touched on this when it when when you when we put things together like this, we realize how much we have in common. Yeah. And so my daughter is biracial, black and white, mm-hmm. but she saw me playing the much maligned for good reason Avengers video game. And the greatest thing about that game, and there's not a lot great about it, is Kamala's campaign and Kamala's story. And it's uh-huh. so great. And so okay. she was just watching me play that on Xbox. And she was like, that's my favorite superhero, daddy. She's five years old. And so coming out of that, like she got a Barbie doll with that's Kamala so for the holidays. Oh and we watched every episode together. And it's just like, she just absolutely adores her. And I think the one thing that was absolutely nailed in this show, and I don't want this entire episode to go by without saying it is the family aspects of this show yeah. it just like made me well up with tears every single episode mm-hmm. and muniba we love you forevermore yeah that is my mother <laughs> <laughs> that is to a t and yusuf uncle is my father like i am not just saying that like that's just so much my mother my mom and, so my mom and i my mom hasn't seen the finale yet. We were going to watch it. They're on vacation right now. So mm. they watched, they started the finale yesterday. And my mom was just like so overwhelmed and started crying as soon as like Maniba gave her the outfit. Yes. She just started crying and she's like, yes. do you want one? And I was like, yes. <laughs> so we were discussing how we were going to get my outfit made for Pakistan, from Pakistan. Uh, yeah. But no, no, Maniba, I love how authentic, I cannot get over how much they felt like a mom and dad. Yes. Like, it felt like such a family. I don't know if it's just great acting and great writing, the combination of all of it. It just was so rooted in, like, realism. Nothing was forced. Nothing felt out of place. Everyone, to the point that everyone had critiques and they thought it was too much. Like, they were just done so well. They captured the fear of, like, you know, being an immigrant parent and raising their kid here to the fear of, like, you know, just wanting to give them love and understand to, you know, understanding and what that meant for them and then just blindly supporting and being a a hulk for their for their child because that's what they wanted to do like it was just so well done and like i cannot get over how how real it felt the whole time yeah and i i related that too like my mom like when i remember pre-k every morning like we would watch the 87 and uh the 87 ninja turtles series and so like my mom would always tell me like oh yeah we're gonna do ninja turtles and she'd get information wrong and that whole hulk scene where i was just like oh my god mom (laughs) (laughs) that's exactly it though yeah um it's funny because like my so i'm i'm creating content on tiktok now my mom does not understand it but like she knows that I love, she knows that I've always loved like fantasy and fandoms and like it's run away with it. So she's like trying to understand. She's like, okay, so this is Batman. And I'm like, no, this is Captain America. Yeah. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. She's just like trying super hard. So I, I related, I know you've probably seen my videos talking about it. It's just yeah. parents just trying to understand and be yeah. part of their kid's life. And it's adorable. Yeah. One thing that was really impactful for me, but you obviously will give a much better perspective of this because there are so many tropes when it comes to immigrant parents. 
the thing that really blew me away and really got me in my feelings was when they found out that Kamala was Nightlight or Ms. Marvel, <laughs> yeah. it was immediately overwhelming pride. And that really touched me. And, and it was such a reversal of what you've seen so many times in media with immigrant parents. Because that's really how it is. And like, again, I, I guess I'm saying this a lot from my personal experience because like I'm 33. I had my 20s with my parents where I was doing things that they didn't approve of. And I'm doing a career that they liked at the same time. Like, I always wanted to be a writer. They didn't understand it. So now that I'm creating content and, like, I write on the side. They, so I'm doing the medicine thing, but I started writing and doing things on the side still, right? So they're now trying to understand that part of me. And though they don't get it and they know that I'm not making money off of it, the way they tear up every time they read or they hear about it is just so – they just want me to be happy. Like, they want – the thing is that immigrant parents want you to be safe and they want you to be okay, but at the same time, they want you to be happy when you're safe and okay, right? So I think it was beautiful. I, I, I was actually making a comment about this. This is the, probably the first time where, like, I predicted, like, okay, the immigrant parents should do this, and they followed through on it, because this is what I've experienced, that, like, they may be, like, a little strict. They may be, like, kind of hesitant. They might not trust things, but at the same time, if they know you're happy and healthy and okay, then they're going to be happy. And as a parent, that's what everyone wants, right? Yeah, I think it's also just from a storytelling perspective, as a Spider-Man fan, it's the tropiest of all tropes of this yeah. whole secret identity uh -huh. of it'll kill my aunt if she finds out. I'm like, yeah. okay. So I was reading Blue Beetle recently. It's a DC book. I think that movie is coming out soon. They just wrapped filming, which okay. is another great story. He's of um, Mexican descent. Oh, I didn't know and, that. Okay. I've heard so, of him, but I didn't. I yeah, Jaime, yeah Jaime Reyes, really great book. Okay. Um, but they kind of turn that trope on its head and like the family knows about his secret identity and it becomes like this integral part of their family relations because almost like that great power, great responsibility thing uh -huh. is like, Jaime, you've been given these powers. It is your job now to go and help people. Mm -hmm. And so like the family's in on it. I think that's like adds so much storytelling perspective rather than I'm just going to hide from my aunt again. Like, and I'm glad you brought up it as a trope because I may have definitely made a video about this. And like even Spider-Man ended up telling Aunt May at one point and it worked out better for him whenever he did tell her that I almost kind of feel like the whole like not telling my secret identity to my friends and family is almost like a cop out for more tension in the story. Like by creating that, they add like, oh, a little gimmick and a storyline on the side that like he has to hide his identity from like MJ and stuff like that. I feel like by choosing to tell, it just kind of, gets you away from the those like typical storylines that you expect that come with it and it allows it opens a door for bigger and better like with blue beetle with kamala even with spider-man after he tells aunt may it allows for a different type of growth and development for the character and a storyline for that character too also you don't think we're hyped to your jig like you disappear every time something yeah. goes down like come no, on right? <laughs> it's it, at least in marvel they have like a better like secret identity it's like in dc it's just so bad like oh glasses there we go <laughs> uh are there things we touched on this a little bit but are there things about the show that you didn't like or you would have liked to have been done differently the clandestine storyline was a little confusing um it was a really weird deep cut something as like yeah. a big marvel fan that i knew nothing about like it was a random annual or something yeah and the funny thing is like it's it's rooted in the marvel series enough that people know about it but then they don't follow the storyline and then they disappeared eventually like they're there 
for like three of the six episodes and they just disappear. I don't know. I just, I felt a little much. I will say like the plot was a little clunky because of them. And that is it. So I don't have any criticisms with, represent- with the Jin angle, but um, my, my criticism is mostly that like that part kind of left me confused. I'm also a little confused with her power. Um, but at the same time, I think it, I think it ended up playing out the way it was supposed to because the finale and like the last two scenes that everyone's talking about kind of wrapped it up well together. So I'm okay with that part. Overall, I'm very happy, basically. Another perfect segue. Now, the question all our listeners have been waiting for, Bruno says, I got chills. Yeah. Uh, Kamala, there's something different in your genes, like like a mutation. Your instant reaction is what? I know. It was... Here's the thing, too. Here's the thing, too. It was a throwaway line at first. You could be like, oh, it's just a cute little Easter egg, but then you hear, no, 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 no. Like, oh, my God. And they even paused it enough for you to hear yes. it. And then she said her line. But it was like, even like, if you, like, some people missed it because of it. Yeah. And it's yeah. like, I screamed, though, because I wasn't, I wasn't expecting that or um, Brie Larson at all. So I was like, yeah. I like, I, scream. I love that her response afterwards was very much like, eh, it's another label. So it just I love that line. I love that line so me much. Me too. I think it made it even better because now it's like, we don't even know what that means now. Like, yeah. do we, does that mean there's, because there's been so many theories since I've, because um, I've heard that like this means that there's going to be a new mutant show or movie coming out. Like, because you know, with Comic Con coming happening this weekend, they might announce it tomorrow. Um, or that um, this means that like mutants are canon and now mutants are going to come out now. And it's just like, there's been so many theories. And I feel like it was the perfect, like, like, you know, um, brewing pot, basically, of so many different tangents coming out. So I'm just excited to see what they do with it because I feel like they just do it in there. And now we can run wild with it, essentially. I was I was incredibly and disgustingly petty for 24 hours on Twitter because <laughs> um, the eight Inhumans fans like came out of the woodworks oh, and yeah. were so upset. And I'm just like, really? Name five that are not <laughs> that are not Kamala and Black Bolt because you can't name five of them and the king of them can't name himself without destroying something. So. That's really funny. <laughs> um, I Yeah, I it's been... The tangential arguments have been very interesting for sure. Um, and I know that Twitter was all abuzz after Miss Marvel came out, that finale episode came out. Well, I am um, a self-fashioned like mutant super fan. Like, oh I, yeah, for one sure. of those one of those things that I read every single comic of was X Men, and so no like, way, there's so many. <laughs> uh, I, well, I will say the mainline stuff. So okay, I read okay. like the main titles and a couple of tangential ones, and then everything since the big reboot with House of X, Powers of Ten. Okay, okay, um, okay, yeah. And then everything since like the Krakoa era. And so, wow, you've read you know, a, no, I, you've read a, the big ones. You've read the, like, yeah. Um, so I just I just say to my dear niece Kamala, we welcome you to Krakoa. Um, just come through the gates. We are so excited to have you in the mutant That's family. So, yeah, no, I so I love X Men. That is like my first introduction to Marvel, um, and X Men is what I'm here for, basically. <laughs> so I'm all about it. I'm just excited to. I also rewatch the X like the original like movies yeah. and stuff. those are so good oh, everything okay, so, the last one, so we're but... scheduling this we're scheduling this uh ahead of time but uh-huh. as we're recording we just had a couple of hours ago a lot of x-men 97 reveals at uh san diego comic-con so no that, way 
yeah, so a lot of cool stuff to check out there. We'll oh, get into that in a future episode, but that's okay for sure. Yeah, yeah. I'm like really, behind. I keep finding out like um, afterwards about things. Yeah. with because there's so much happening in Comic Con literally as we mm-hmm. speak, so it's like hard yeah. to keep up with. Right. Okay, so you mentioned this already, but your instant reckless speculations for the Marvels after that post-credit scene. Oh my gosh, so much. Okay, so I've been thinking about this so much. I'm really excited for this project. Like, I've never been so excited for. Um, for this is the most excited I've been for a Phase Four project since like mm-hmm. WandaVision and right. uh, you know, um, Multiverse Madness. Um, I think Kamala is where Brie was, so she's in outer space. Yeah, somewhere, right. And that they changed spots. I'm convinced of it. And I'm convinced that Kamala is going to be the glue that brings Monica and Carol together because they're not on the best terms right now. Yes. I love that theory. Yes. Yeah. So, and then I, I don't know if there's going to be an invasion storyline because I know that Monica is doing secret invasions, but that Carol might be with, I don't know if Carol's with Nick Fury or Monica is. So like, there's definitely that plot line in the background too. But all I know is that Kamala is going to be the mentor that they need to like, you know, mentee together. Uh, I'm sorry, mentee that they're going to mentor together, but she's also going to be like their glue that brings them together, just like she brought Muniba and Senna together. So that is my theory. <laughs> oh, oh, also shouts to Nani. We love oh, you. Yes. Oh, yes. Yeah, Senna and Nani was so good. Oh, yeah. oh my goodness. I, I love the entire family. The entire family. Yeah. Uh, I don't think there's a character that I don't like. Uh, maybe Zoe? Is that the... Okay, that's the fair. I can't forget, yeah. she, came back, she came back around, I guess, but they, they you know, if they, they have to give the white characters redemption. Yeah, I kind of forgot <laughs> she existed. So that's fair. Um, oh my God, I missed a question. Uh, perhaps the most important one. Who are you shipping Kamala with? Oh, <laughs> okay, so for first off, I'm really glad you brought up Anakin Skywalker because this will like <laughs> this will help the best. Obviously, Kareem is the best for her. Bruno is a freaking sweetheart. You don't get guys better than that because yeah. the, I see. I will say this. I have. So you're Kareem too. You're Kareem too. Okay. No, I thought it was I, just I'm, me. I'm actually Kamran, <laughs> but it's the Anakin oh, Skywalker really? shipping me. It's because I love ah, Bad Boy. It's because I yeah. love Bad Boy. That's truly just it. Like I love because okay, I can go on and on this. Bruno is one of those characters that I have so much respect for and I really appreciate his presence because he's such a good ally. He just is such a good friend and there's just no one really like him in the MCU and in real life. So a lot of appreciation. Kareem is definitely the best one for her, hands down. Like he matches her beat by beat. And I completely agree that Kareem is the one that she should end up with. He is. See, I go off of combat about, I I go off of like compatibility profiles and stuff. And I think I made a video that's saying that it has to be Kareem because for up until episode five, I was all about Kareem. But mm-hmm. they set up a perfect enemies to lovers with Kamran by that last episode. Like yes. he was a bad boy trying to figure out himself. Felt like oh, and her her little off. speech yes! and her little speech to him yes! in the bubble. Oh yes! my god, that that's what got me because I'm just like, oh no, and right. now I have to ship him because I'm like, he's the perfect, you know, he could have been good type of archetype, and now he's gonna go bad, and it's always gonna be like Kamala could bring him back to the good side. And it's the Anakin Skywalker shipper in me. I just can't help. As soon as I see a character like him, I'm just like, I have to go for him. So I, unfortunately, am Team Kamran. It's, it's my most toxic trait is that I'm shipping Kamran. <laughs> well, Maria, thank you so much for your time. Where can our listeners go to support you and all your stuff? Plug all your plugs. Uh, so the best way to plug me is through TikTok. Uh, thank you so much for getting my name right. It is Call Me By The Same Maria. That is the best way to see all of the com- everything that I talked about today with all the fandoms, TV, and especially Miss Marvel content is through TikTok. I have a link tree connected to my Instagram and Twitter that's like slowly picking up. Um, 
and yeah, TikTok is where I basically say it all and everything. So please follow me on there if you're interested to hear more. Our special thanks to Maria for joining us this week. Um, be sure to go and support her work um, on TikTok and across social media at large. Um, and when we come back from this, our final break, two more nerd commendations. All right, we are back for everybody's favorite segment where we give you the good stuff. You know it as... All right, Dave, I am super excited to talk about your nerd commendation because while I have not read it, it is by a writer that I trust more than most. Yeah, so interesting story, man. Um, as it turns out, um, we have uh, talked extensively about the notion of what happens after the Obi-Wan series. Um, and one of the things that we mentioned is that it would be cool to just not do an Obi-Wan season two, but instead do a Darth Vader series. And I still believe this is a totally cool idea. So um, I went on to uh, our friend Marvel Unlimited and started searching around to see if there's any Darth Vader comic books. And sure enough, since Marvel received the license back, they actually launched three different Darth Vader series. So let's see if we can follow through with this. The first Darth Vader series uh, began in 2015 and was written by Kieran Gillen and had uh, art by Salvador La Roca. Um, This one takes place directly after A New Hope and chronicles um, Darth Vader's efforts to discover who the pilot was that destroyed the Death Star and take him out. And uh, yeah, it's pretty much what you think. You know, you get to see Darth Vader finding out that, you know, he has a son, which is, you know, pretty emotional stuff. Uh, The series lasted for about 25 issues, then was relaunched uh, in a new volume uh, written by Charles Soule. Uh, This actually jumped backwards in time and takes place directly after um, Revenge of the Sith and is sort of the early days of Darth Vader trying to establish himself. Um, And then uh, the most recent series, which I think just wrapped up or is about to wrap up, um, I'm obviously a little bit behind because of Marvel Unlimited, uh, is uh, written by Greg Pak and takes place between uh, Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. Now, I've read all of these, so each one is about 25 issues, uh, so I've read you know 75 issues of Darth Vader. And what's my recommendation? Uh, well, they're all decent. Uh, I can't say any of them are bad, per se, but I will say that the best one by far, and the one that I wholeheartedly uh, nerd commend, is Darth Vader by Kieran Gillen and Salvador La Roca. Uh, the aftermath of A New Hope, uh, the emotional journey that he goes through, um, you know, Darth Vader is a very interesting protagonist here trying to figure out how to deal with the Emperor, who is kind of looking to maybe replace him if he can find something better, which, you know, plays into this whole idea of, you know, Vader starting to plot against the Emperor um, and how, what that looks like and how he goes around in secret. How does he try to find out about this, you know, um, pilot? What does he do when he finds out that it's his son? Uh, it's probably the most um, depth that Vader has in any of the three series. Um, he's absolutely fascinating in this one, a great protagonist. Um, the art absolutely sings Star Wars. It's it's pitch perfect. La Roca knocks it out of the park. Um, so if you really, really want some Darth Vader content, like this is the series to read, 25 issues uh, on, on Marvel Unlimited, and it's, it's an absolute 
it's an absolute joy to read. It's it's Darth Vader at his best. There's a crossover uh, about halfway into it, I think, um, with uh, the ongoing Star Wars title at the time called Vader Down, where they actually like you know shoot down Darth Vader's ship and he's like stranded on this planet and all the rebels are showing up and trying to take him out and kill him so he's out of the way. And the crossover is absolutely awesome. Uh, you know, there's a scene where he's surrounded and the rebels are like, you surrender, you're surrounded. And he says, yeah, I'm surrounded. I'm surrounded by fear. And he just kills them all. <laughs> like it's, it's and, Darth and, Vader. And, and, dead, and dead men. Yeah, it's so good, man. Like it's it's absolutely perfect. So um, yeah, I mean, all the series are decent to some extent. I think uh, Greg Pak had, uh, is in the most recent Darth Vader, had the misfortune of like, almost half of his series being caught up in a ginormous crossover called War of the Bounty Hunters, which I wasn't, you know, super fond of. Um, so I, I feel kind of bad for him that he was stuck with this ginormous crossover for a huge chunk of a series. Uh, but, yeah, man, Kieran Gillen and Salvador La Roca, 2015, Darth Vader, knocked out of the park. Uh, this is what a Disney Plus series should be based on. Yeah, I, I can't... I can't say enough about how much I love Kieran Gillen's work. Um, you know, my previous nerd combination of Eternals was great. We just uh, came out as of this recording, the first issue of Judgment Day, which was absolutely insane. It made me feel a lot of feelings. Um, and then Salvador LaRocca's art, I've, I've always loved. Um, back to one of the, my favorite single issue comics ever, the To Happen to Hold Sensational Spider-Man Annual. Um, and then also his work on Extreme X-Men and the various X titles. So this is absolutely going to the top of the list of my uh, to-read pile. I'm glad to hear that, man, because I think you're really going to enjoy it. All right, so what are you nerd commending this week, Chris? Well, I'm going way back to 2013 um, to a video game that has really always meant a lot to me and my family. Um, and I recently repurchased it for my new xbox console and that is the lego marvel superheroes this is the perfect game if you are a nerdy parent and want to pass on your nerddom to your child um this for me has served as like a gateway for like almost all of my children and and playing this video game with them has been really really fun and a really really formative thing in our bond um, so it, you know, it is as advertised a Lego game with the Marvel superheroes. And, um, a lot of these Lego titles are just really, really fun, kind of, um, not overly complicated things. And it's just fun to sit back and relax and, and enjoy playing a game. It's not overly strenuous difficulty, um, builds teamwork, great local co-op games, um, and what I particularly love about this one is you can think about the timeline, 2013, the MCU was in full swing, but it was not overwhelmingly like venomous when it came to film rights. So for example, the second uh, game in this franchise, Lego Marvel Super Heroes 2 and the Lego Marvel Avengers, while fun, they're very MCU-ified there's no mention of the Fantastic Four. There's no mention of the X-Men or mutants at all. It is very sanitized. And so what I love about this first one is it's like peak Marvel. Um, you have the Avengers. You have uh, the X-Men. You have the Fantastic Four, like all fighting side by side. Um, it's just absolutely great content. There's lots of 
it's it's very very expansive like this game uh you unlock hundreds of characters um by a little missions and stuff there's secret things to do it's just like endless uh you know hours of content that you can play with your family have a good time and is if you are a big marvel fan like i am this is just a great great you know piece of media that you can enjoy um i absolutely love this game you know i'm pretty sure i have this game on disc down in my gaming room and i never actually played it i'm a big fan of those lego games uh you know the original lego star wars games i played a lot and there's really a lot of joy in those um so yeah you know i'm, I'm fairly certain this is going to be a lot of fun this is the one that is not uh tied in with the mcu i know they did a lego avengers right but this is more like comic book based am i right on that right yeah 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 see that that's probably going to be totally my jam because i really love when um video game properties uh kind of go to the comics rather than to the movie versions um I'm just a comic book guy. What can I say? So, uh, yeah, I definitely need to play this, man. Yeah, the Lego Marvel Avengers picks up with the events of Age of Ultron. And then um, Lego Marvel Super Heroes 2 is very Guardians heavy, which is fun and it's great. But like I said, they scrubbed any mention of mutants or the FF or anything like that because of the, the film rights pettiness. Which sucked, let's be honest. Right. But, but now, now in retrospect, we're all back together at least. Um, but at the time, it was it was heavily annoying. All right, that wraps up another episode of the Nerd Byword. We thank you so much for coming along on, on this fantastic voyage with us. Be sure to like, subscribe to your favorite podcasting platform. You can find us anywhere podcasts are available, whether that is Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn Radio or our sexy new website. Thanks, Dave. Nerdbyword.com. And if you'd like to interact with us on social media, ask us questions, suggest topics for our show, you can find us on uh, Instagram and on Twitter at Nerdbyword and individually at that nerd Dave and at that nerd Chris. And also be sure to check our updated uh, link tree link in our bios on social media where you can find our Discord server so you can slide on in and discuss all things nerdy with us, our tea public store with uh, super swaggy merch, uh, and then also links to just about everything you can think of regarding the show. Um, and as always, stay well and stay nerdy. The Nerd Byword is written and produced by Chris and Dave, two nerds with a love of all things pop culture. The podcast features music by Al Jimenez with additional drops composed by Joe Biondi. Our show art is by Ashery Design. Find us at nerdbyword.com and wherever podcasts are available. Mm-hmm.